You're tuned into the Dab Podcast, hosted by Andrew Romanella and Anthony Rinaldi. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dab Podcast. You can visit our website, dabpodcast.com, and you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We just ask that when you're done, please share this podcast with a friend and leave us a rating and a review. It's showtime. Hello, 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 and welcome in to the Dab Podcast, episode 75. Super pumped to be with you today. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and with me always, my partner, Mr. Anthony Rinaldi. Technology is definitely a mother effer, Mr. Rinaldi, as this is now our second attempt at recording Dab Podcast episode 75. I don't know, Mr. Rinaldi, but if the people don't realize how much we love giving them great audio content, today is the perfect example. Sometimes you win some, you lose some, it happens, but I just can't wait to dive into it because it seems like everybody from the great state of Cleveland has a problem with my New York football giants. And I'm excited to have football on the show, Docket today. I'm excited for the baseball. I'm excited for you to tell me what you believe is get, is more likely to happen in the sport of football. And I'm excited for you to tell the people where they can get us on Twitter and Instagram. Social media. They can get it, Dab Podcast, on both Facebook. They can get us, Dab Podcast, dabpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Go to the website, dabpodcast.com. There's so many things going on, and you can find it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Soon to hopefully be on SoundCloud. That's super exciting. And all we do, Mr. Rinaldi, we ask one simple question, and it's that the people share and leave us a rating and review. Tell your friends, tell your friends. Five stars, folks. I feel like if you guys like us, your friends will like us. They'll tell somebody, they'll tell their sister, and that's how we become popular people. And your friends will probably like us, the Dab Podcast, way more than Odell Beckham Jr. likes the New York Giants. Like a bitter ex-girlfriend, Andrew. He just, he can't seem to get the Giants out of his mouth. But I guess that happens. Listen, when it's, 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 quite, it's not quite off se- uh, start of season yet. They haven't reported to minicamp. Uh, so they're obviously asking about his old team. So he answered, he answered willingly, of course, and uh, he was honest, which is always good. But Odell is Odell, and he loves himself some Odell, and he loves to hear himself talk. And frankly, uh, you know what, what he said, you know, probably is what every Giant fan knew was going on. You know, Dave Gettleman and uh, Pat Shermer, you know, weren't on the same page with Odell, and he's no longer with the New York Football Giants. My question is, why does he have to keep talking about them? Like, if I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, that concerns me. Because it's like, dude, we get it. You're human, so you have feelings, and you can feel that way. We get it. That's okay. 
But why are you still in July on the week in which you're going to report the training camp for your new football team? Are you still talking about the way the Giants wronged you? That, to me, Anthony, is the issue because it's like, are we going now like a step too far, Odell, where like maybe we had a little bit of sympathy for you and now no one really cares at all what you're saying? I feel like he just wants to get his story out. He wants to have the last word. You know, he felt disrespected by the New York Giant organization because they just went out and traded him. They didn't really talk to him to figure out what the issue was. But for me, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and if I'm Odell, I, I just the, the reporter keeps asking the question about the Giants. You say, you know, respectfully, I'm, I'm I'm no longer there. I'm now a Cleveland Brown. I'm looking forward to working with Baker, my longtime friend from college. You know, Ted Roberts Landry. I like what we got here. I can't wait to see what we're gonna do on the field. You know, he could have, he could have diffused it by not answering the question, which would have been <clears throat> sports talk people would have been like, oh, you know, he's deflecting. But by him answering the question, just makes him look even even smaller than he is. And yeah, Odell was a great talent. Don't get me wrong. I have his I had his jersey. It's still hanging in my closet. Gonna have to get rid of that one. Uh, I, I believe it's in between JPP and Lanny Collins. <laughs> so you can tell. So you can tell my closet is gonna be a, a little bit more emptier this you, year. You might want to maybe. Think about not purchasing a jersey this year. Yeah, right. Maybe, maybe the least guy I want on the team, maybe I'll buy his jersey. So right. Know at least he'll, he'll be gone shortly. With that. <laughs> but for me, Odell is a great. He's going to do great in Cleveland. Uh, but you know, listen, Cleveland, a little buyer's remorse, a little buyer's beware. If if he doesn't see twelve targets and a hundred yards a game and a few touchdowns, you may start getting the 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 real talky Odell Beckham to the newspaper. Uh, I don't know how many newspapers they have out there in Cleveland. I'm sure it's not as many as New York. Uh, so that won't be a big issue, but Odell likes to hear himself talk. And uh, I think Cleveland, listen, first, Baker Mayfield came out and bashed the Giants. So then Odell came out and bashed the Giants. So at least it seems like they're on the same page already, quarterback and wide receiver. So I think things are looking up in Cleveland, Andrew. The only thing I agree with Odell Beckham Jr. on is the situation with Pat Shermer. And this was his exact quote in the GQ article about talking with Pat Shermer. But then... To be like that and then be texted by your coach and be like, first off, I can't stand talking like that, but either way. Oh, yeah, I heard the news. Yeah, you heard the news, Odell Beckham Jr. It happened because of you. The reason I'm gone is because of you. It was just tough because of the way I initially felt. On the other side of it, I was excited about a new start because I had been. Honestly, I had been praying to God the season before this season for a change. And... That sounds to me like a guy that wanted to leave. So if you wanted to leave, whether they handled it right or they didn't, you got what you apparently were talking to God for. So why are you still talking to reporters about it? Just can't help himself. And he, you know, he wants the limelight. He wants the clicks. He wants the views. He wants all eyeballs on Odell. And yeah, we'll see here. Start with the camps opening up. Is you know today throughout the rest of the week for football. I believe that the first preseason game, the the, uh, the Hall of Fame game is like August 1st or something or one of those days next week, you know, so it's, it's right around the corner. Preseason starts, you know, we're time to get jacked up for football, Andrew, and Odell just wants to get his name out there because, you know, we're not playing yet, so there's no other there's no other news. So he wants to make, like, again, the reporter asked him a question about the Giants, so he willingly answered the question about the New York Giants, and he, he answered it openly and honestly. So I, I got to give him credit for that. And you know what? I'm, I'm okay with him now no longer being a New York football giant. 
And I think the Giants will have maybe possibly addition by subtraction, and they may turn out to have a better year because the distraction of Odell is no longer there. And, and a true leader, number 26, Saquads, to take over now and really be the face of the organization going forward. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and what the only thing that disappoints me right now about the NFL season starting, Ant, is that I have a bad taste in my mouth about what just came down with Tyreek Hill. And you said it earlier, and I think you said it in our first version of episode 75. You, you noted, and I want to people to, to make point of this, it's not that we're all going to stop watching the NFL, but when you see Tyreek Hill not be suspended for the things that you have heard have gone on in that situation with his son, with his baby mama in the past, to me, that put, just puts a bad taste in my mouth to the way the NFL handles those situations. When that ruling came down, Andrew, I'm not going to lie to you, I actually had to pull over to the side of the road. So I, I, I took a deep breath. You know, I'm newly... I'm a father. I have a two-year-old and a four-month-old. So I'm going through right now uh, just the joys of being a parent, uh, early parent. You know, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing at this. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, thank God for my rock star wife that she's, you know, able to raise my two kids to be kind humans. Uh, and I'm just kind of alone for the ride to make sure I don't screw this up. <laughs> and for, for for me, I read some of the some of the article about what the the police report talked about. Uh, when he used to strike his child, when he did something wrong, he he would literally tell his son to hold his arms out, and he would punch him squarely in the chest. And you know, listen, Tyreek Hill is not six eight, four hundred pounds. He's not a monster, but he's still a, a grown man. And for him to literally to, to to be to be to be on record as as punching his child in the chest when he does something wrong, uh, the child has a, had a broken arm. That was the genesis of the phone call to child services. The child is no longer in the home with his parents because uh, the police could not figure out who was to blame. So right there, child endangerment alone should have should have Tyreek Hill suspended indefinitely this season. The dude had a, in college, come out of college, before he got drafted, he had a, a, an incident where he, I believe, kicked or pushed his baby mama when she was pregnant with his son. So there's a history of this guy being just a bad guy on the outside. And you know everybody forgave him for that. They move past it because the dude can run a, a four three forty and can catch a football, and the dude's a stud. And I get it; he's a great, he's a good player. And, and the Chiefs, listen, the Chiefs acted swiftly with Kareem Hunt. I don't know if they've had this meeting yet with Andy Reid and the GM and the owner, but I really wish they'd come out t- tomorrow or today or any day soon and just be like, "Listen, we're cutting Tyreek Hill. He's not a, a member of what we believe a Kansas City Chief player is," and just end it that way. I mean, sure, somebody other, some other team will pick him up, and maybe one of your rivals will pick him up. But I think the Kansas City Chiefs need to set the example and set the tone that we are not going to tolerate having, you know, domestic violence or any kind of abuse to a child or or, or a woman uh, allowed to play and make millions of dollars playing that game. And if there's an organization, you're right, that you feel like would come out and make the right decision in this situation right now, based on what they did last year with Kareem Hunt, I feel like it is the Kansas City Chiefs. And furthermore, Ant, you said a lot of good things there, and the biggest thing that stuck to me, and it's almost I want to ask you, is as a father, as somebody with children, does that just hurt you to a different level than maybe somebody like myself that doesn't have a child can understand? Because 
I know you've explained it to me so many times how much you love being a father and how much you love being a dad and how it just made your life so different and it's great and all these wonderful things about it. So to hear somebody do that and act that way towards their child and see my family and my siblings and how happy they are being parents, it blows my mind. And so how you said you had to pull over. Is it really like that you felt like you got punched in the gut type feeling when you hear something like that as a parent as well? Yeah, I, it, 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 I was just so angry. At the, I, I literally, if I could have hit something, somebody, like a person, I, I wish it was Tyree Kill, but I mean, like just just my raw emotions to hear because, you know, it, when the Adrian Peterson hitting his child with a switch came down, I, I don't think I was a father yet. I don't, maybe my son was just born, so I, I really didn't have that. So I didn't really, it didn't click in my head because, you know, he, 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 his excuse was I was raised that way. My parents hit me. You know, I want to discipline my child the way I want to discipline my child. And so it really didn't resonate with me. And, and, then, and then to go back and read what Agent Peterson did, and, and I don't want to go back there, but to physically harm your child and cause them to bleed and be in pain is something I never hoped that I have to do to my child because that's just something I could never fathom. And obviously, I want to discipline my child. Listen, the terrible twos, that's a real thing, people. And anybody who is going to be a parent or who's going through it right now, when your kid is two-year-olds, a two-year-old, they flip a switch. They become little devils. Like you think your child may be, like, may be great and beautiful, but when you're with them 24/7, the little SOBs could be, you know, the devil children. <laughs> and trust me, I get it. You want to discipline your child so that they know when they do something wrong, not to do it again. But to physically harm them is just something that should never ever be tolerated. Obviously, there's government agencies that are there to prevent that and to stop that from happening. Uh, luckily, the child is no longer with the Hill family either Tyree Kill or his baby mama because they're not fit to be parents clearly so hopefully either the grandparents or somebody will raise that boy right but I mean to, to physically put your hand on somebody that small and that innocent and, and, and then to see them crying in pain just breaks my heart my son jumped off the wall the other day caught his head split it open needed some stitches but obviously you know to see blood streaming down his face I, I, I lost it you know that's something you never want to see so to me, to physically harm my own child was something I could never fathom. And I don't care how angry I am at that, at him or at, at, the, at the situation, never put my hands on a child. I mean, no adult should ever do that. And then now for this guy to go back to work like nothing happened, I mean, it's just mind-boggling. And on the other side of the fence, to finish the conversation, Ant, it's the NFL dropping the ball again. And we've seen this numerous times over and over and over again with domestic violence situations and they have the opportunity to affect change by figuring out what they their process and their protocol is for a situation like this so that you don't get caught with your pants down always responding the wrong way to these situations there, there needs to be some kind of swift action you know goodell has all the power you know, somebody needs to tell the NFL that this needs to happen ASAP because as much money as you're making and as popular as you are, to have these continuous episodes of domestic violence and abuse and to still get it wrong, it's it's not only embarrassing, but it's getting to a point now, it's like it's almost expected that they're going to get it wrong. 100%. And I think what needs to happen is if you get your name linked to one of these scenarios whether you're guilty or you're innocent, just because you're linked to it, boom, you're automatically suspended a certain amount of games. Then, if you are guilty 
of what you've been accused of, you then are suspended for one full season, 17 weeks, four weeks in the preseason and training camp, 365 days of the year. Then after anything else that comes down on you, whether it's marijuana, domestic violence, a DUI, I don't care. You are then exiled from the NFL. Maybe you can call it a three-strike policy, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, you're going to get disciplined for even being linked to a situation, which is the root of the issue because they're putting themselves in these situations. So there needs to be discipline for that. Then there needs to be discipline for the action. And if you are proven innocent, okay then. Then you got your game suspension and we move forward. But if you're proven guilty, you're out for the year. And it needs to be harsh, Anthony. And that's the only way things can change. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, it needs to be harsh, zero tolerance. I know the MLB, you know, they came up with their policy for steroid users. I thought they could have went with a zero tolerance policy. And, you know, you get caught once and you, I don't know, caught once you're gone, but sometimes you, you happen to take a wrong supplement from GNC, done a list. I mean, you should know better, but it is what it is. These are young kids, 21, 22 year old athletes. Sometimes they, they, they make the wrong decision, so I get that. But when it comes to domestic violence, you know, putting your hands on a woman or a child, it's just, I get it. You know, these men are asked to be beasts between the white lines, and sometimes they can't turn it off. And you hear the horror stories of the guys with CTE who pass away and do all the bad things. But, I mean, just, it's heartbreaking when you hear the story. You feel for the child, because there's no one there to protect the child. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, who is there to protect that three-year-old boy from his football, from his from that monster? that's about to come raging down on him. And, and sadly, it's not anything different than the alcoholic father who comes home and does the same thing, you know, to, to the to the blue-collar family up the street from me right now. But you know what? That NFL, you're mainstream. You have a platform to do, to, to, to do better, and they should do better. But yet, they continually just get it completely wrong. And it's, it's almost, it's, like I said, it's embarrassing for the NFL. Anthony, what is more likely, the NFL sets a policy and a protocol or we are ranting and raving about another situation like this happening again. I hate for it to be the latter, Andrew, but I, I think it's pretty I think it's pretty easy by the, the current situation we're in. And I think it's going to happen again before they ever come to a, a concrete solution that'll stop this. Well, that's a nice little segue into our segment, what is more likely but it's actually a realistic question, and I think something that needs to be answered soon by the NFL. Moving on to some more positive measures along the NFL. Okay, I got four questions for you here. What is more likely, Mr. Rinaldi? I want your honest, raw opinions. Are you ready? Oh, I'm fired up. That Tyreek Hill gets me fired up, so you're going to get some raw emotion right now, sir. All right, here we go. Number one, what is more likely? Daniel Jones starts more than three games or Nick Foles leads the Jacksonville Jaguars to the playoffs? Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe. And as a, as a Giant fan, I hope that they will make the playoffs. And I don't see Daniel Jones play this year. As much as I need to see the number six pick play to make sure that Gettleman didn't just ruin us for the next 10 years. But if, if I see number 10 under center for the whole season, that means we're probably in the playoff hunt or wild card hunt. And maybe we got a chance, so... I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Nick Foles and the Jacksonville Jaguars and old man Tom Coughlin to, to get it done there in Jacksonville, figure it out. Because let's be real, uh, 
Nick Foles is a lot better than Blake Bortles. That's that's 100% facts. And that defense is ready-made to have an offense that is championship caliber take them through the playoffs. I think last year was a fallacy in terms of that defense. I think it was just a down year, some injuries. Not exactly what they expected. I think they'll bounce back this year. And I also think that no matter what, Eli Manning starting into December. I just feel that way, even no matter what happens with the Giants season. So that ends up cutting it down to about three or four games remaining. And I'm going to take the Nick Foles-Jacksonville playoffs. Number two, Cleveland, the Browns, win a playoff game, a singular playoff game, or Cleveland, the Browns, win less than seven total games in 2019. What is more likely? I, I believe that the AFC was at the AFC North. Yes, that's sir. Division, and that's a little down this year. Think about it. Steelers aren't the same. Losing Le'Veon, Lev Bell, AB, that whole nonsense with Ben Roethlisberger not being a good leader. The Ravens, you know, who are they with Lamar Jackson? You know, Cincinnati's kind of a dumpster fire. They're they're all right, but you know, Cleveland. I think this is the year for them. I think Baker Mayfield. That dude just wants to prove to everybody that he can win a champion, uh, uh, a Lombardi Trophy. I think he has that burning desire. He plays with that kind of mentality and that chip on his shoulder, and that offensive talent is, is nothing to is nothing to be uh, is, is nothing to be beholden. I mean, Odell, Landry, Njoku, Chubb. When Kareem Hunt comes back, sure, the old line took a hit, but I think if that offense starts clicking, I think they're going to be pretty dangerous. I actually disagree, and I disagree because I I do truly believe that this Odell Beckham Jr. could situation could be a problem and b people do not realize that the cleveland browns were the 30th ranked defense in the nfl during the 2018 season they were high on the turnover chart but we know that they could be a little fluky the turnovers right sometimes you just have a big year sometimes you don't that scares me i need to see that defense be better and is odell more worried about fame or football is he more worried about likes on social media or is he more worried about football? And I think at the end of the day, that's an issue. I've seen Jarvis Landry in Miami not help that team win. Hey, listen, I've said this to you a million times, and I say this to even my guys sometimes at, at, at school too. We'll lose with you, then then we'll lose without you too. So if I'm the, the Giants, I, I'm okay. You said earlier, maybe distant by subtraction. So Odell, Landry, personalities, Bam. First game, Landry has 12, 108, and a touchdown, and Odell has 5 and 40 yards. You're going to see some issues, and then that might snowball. I, I have them at 6 and 10, so I'm going to take Cleveland wins less than 7 games, Mr. Rinaldi. He would be completely wrong, sir. Number 3. Well, not if we go by your what-do-you-got score. Tom Brady wow, plays. Slight, slight dig there. <laughs> Tom Brady plays beyond the 2021 season or... Phillip Rivers plays in the Super Bowl. Doesn't win it, just simply plays in it. What is more likely? I, I really should have to go ask Giselle this question because I think she <laughs> she makes all the football decisions for Tom Brady, but I, I believe he's going to play until he's 50. For some reason, this man, just, he stays healthy. He eats avocado ice cream. You know, so he just he's, he's a workout guy. Talked football about it on his, the Rome show the other day. Football is his life, and... I, I just think that he just wants to win. He just wants to continue to pile up championships just to prove everybody uh, that it's not a fluke. Uh, the, the whole cheating thing is up in the air with him. He, you know, he wants to prove that he's a, he can win it clean. He can do this. He can do that. Uh, frankly, and I think with him being in the AFC division, I don't think Phil Rivers is going to get past New England. 
or even the Kansas City Chiefs uh, with young Pat Mahomes. So I, I just, you know, Philip Rivers, it's a, it's a nice story. He's had a, a, a Hall of Fame career when, when it's all said and done. I just, I don't think, you know, he'll be one of the one of the few that just doesn't get his team to the mountaintop. Like he just, he was good, didn't have really a cast around him. Who knows what Melvin Gordon, if he's going to hold out. The running game is going to be suspect next year. I just think TB12 is going to play to at least 45, 46. So give me three, four more years of TB12. I'm going with TB12 as well, and simply just because anything you ever believe about Tom Brady, he's going to do the exact opposite. So if you believe he's going to play less than three years, he's probably going to play seven and win five more Super Bowls. Like That's just how his whole career has gone. And I just see that exact same thing in your right, man. Phillip Rivers has it written on the back of his football card, that prototypical non-championship winning good quarterback it's just, it's just written on the back of his football card you can throw Matthew Stafford in there maybe if you want to heck Dan Marino's in there he's the greatest quarterback to never win a Super Bowl right put Phillip Rivers in that category when it's all said and done so I'll take Tom Brady number four last and final what's more likely probably my favorite one Mr. Rinaldi Chev Rolet live podcasts from the Daytona 500 in February, or Mr. Anthony Rinaldi goes to a live hockey game. What is more likely? Wow, Chev, Rolay. I mean, that to be to be in the pit, you know, to be down there in the, in the field there, Daytona 500, probably pretty loud for Chev. Uh, I think that would be something that the dad podcast needs to highly invest in. You know, to fly him out there first class. You know, get him out there in one of those sleep pods. Let him get his rest and get a full-blown story. So I'm going to go with Chevrolet podcasting live from the, from the Daytona 500 and me going to see a bunch of Canadians play hockey. The funny part about it is you can control the destiny of this, what's more likely. And it seems to be that you actually would rather Chevrolet podcast from Daytona than you actually go see hockey played. That's right. Anytime we can get Chev on the podcast, it's a win-win, so... It is always a win-win when Chev Rolay times into the Dab Podcast. That is what's more likely. I hope you enjoyed that, Ant. I, I, I enjoyed what's more likely. Maybe we'll bring another version of the what's more likely back to the Dab Podcast next week. Awesome. And I feel like this could easily be combined with some fan interaction. The fans could say what's more likely. And we can get them involved as well. This is a great idea on the Twitter and the Gram at dab podcast on both of them we could throw up one of those uh those things on the instagram story you know what's more likely on the left side you vote or on the right side you vote boom what's what's more likely john gut gonna say something on the dab podcast or john gut not gonna say something on the dab podcast? You, do, you know what this is why it's great that you're my podcast partner we were getting ready for dinner tuesday night with my family Alfred Hitchcock, his wife, his daughter, my parents, right? Everybody, right? We're getting ready for dinner. And Alfred I, Chev, were they all there? They were all there. All, all, all in attendance? All their accents were there too. And I, I was reading them off some good ideas for what's more likely. And I legitimately said, what is more likely? John Gutt does write into the podcast again or he doesn't. And I think Alfred Chevrolet thought it was hilarious and I thought it was too, and this is why it makes me smile, is because you said the exact same thing. Two wrongs don't make a right answer. <laughs> well, well, listen, we all know John Gutty Gunnington. He can't help himself with that podcast. He can't get enough. 
So yeah, Corfu's got to chime in whenever he can. And it's the perfect segue to our episode 75 fan write-ins and headlines. Sponsored by Dig Me Nation, we remind you all to head over to digmenation.com. Go get yourself some t-shirts, go get yourself some hats, get yourself some nice gear, stylish gear for the remainder of the summertime. There's plenty of time left to be looking good on the beach with your boys, with your girls, whoever it is. When you check out at digmenation.com, use the promo code DIGTHEDAB, that's DAB, D-A-A-B, DIGTHEDAB, and you'll receive 30% off of your next purchase digmenation.com the guy in the tie we are the official sports podcast of the guy in the tie and this is headlines and fans sponsored by dig me nation and who is our first right in mr rinaldi guess i want to go with bill clinton wrong other president president of the fan club there you go (laughs) yes sir is he still complaining about Season 8, Game of Thrones. He is not complaining about Season 8 no longer. Now it's Season 4 of Pretty Little Liars. I don't know how we got there, but it's what he said, not me. It's what what he said. Lifting up the curve. I'm I'm paraphrasing here. I'm paraphrasing. Now, Mr. Gutty Gutty the Gutterton writes in, and he's got two, and they're actually really good, and we love his interactions. We we, we joke because we love Mr. Gut. But he said Mr. Rinaldi, Over under 75 receptions for these three players. Odell Beckham Jr., Le'Veon Bell, Evan Ingram. Wow, that seems like an extreme amount for a running back. Yeah, I know. Do most running backs get 75 receptions? (laughs) I don't think so. I mean, in today's NFL, it's very much more possible. And as a guy of Le'Veon Bell's caliber, it's definitely more possible. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, listen, as as a Giant fan, uh, if, if Ingram has 75 plus 75 receptions after that, that kind of wide receiver, tight end, and a hybrid that he plays, uh, you know, I take that in a heartbeat. And, and I think Odell, by sheer just chatter, will have 75 plus receptions because if not, Baker Mayfield was going to get an earful. And probably, uh, uh, you know what? That's a good one, but I'm gonna go Odell, Odell, and and Ingram plus 75, and Lev Bell at like 62 and a half. Okay, that's and that's not a bad number. I'm gonna give you the last five years of Le'Veon Bell's career: 2013, 45 receptions; 2014, 83 receptions; 2015, 24 receptions. I think that year he was suspended for six games. 2016, 75 receptions, and 2017, the year before he held out, 85 receptions. Well, so he's definitely averages close to 75. Yeah. So that seems to be. I mean, listen, if if Sam Darnold's smart, I mean that's a that's an easy dump off. I mean he'll be he'll be open for you, so you might as well. I'm gonna take the over on Odell. I'm gonna take the over on Le'Veon Bell. I'm gonna take the under on Evan Ingram. I just don't believe that Evan Ingram. Now, we all know that Eli Manning loves his tight end position, right? We know that. So he's way more apt to utilize him. But Le'Veon Bell being the safety net for Sam Darnold is going to increase his receptions tenfold since he's a second-year quarterback. 
and Odell Beckham Jr. is going to get the ball 80 times. Him and Jar- if him and Jarvis Landry are both healthy for all 16 games this year and they don't both finish with 80 receptions, then the Cleveland Browns seriously underperformed on the offensive side of the football. That's just the way I see it. Can't argue those points, and I wish I could take back the left bell under, but can't go back now. All right, we appreciate you sticking to your gut. Oh, see what I did there. Second question from John Gutty Guttington. What AL team reaches 75 wins first, and which MLB team overall will be the first to lose 75 games? All right, that's a great question. This guy, he brings the fire. That's why he's our number one fan club president. I'm going to go with the... He's got to start raising money if he's going to be our fan club president. I just want to go by New York Yankees just to be a homer. Even though we're kind of on a struggle, on the downfall right now, losers of three in a row, it's all right. It'll happen. Dog days of summer. And Houston does have one more win. But I think I think we can get... I think we get 75 first. And overall... The loser. It's, I mean, it would be easy to say the Marlins. It would be. But I'm actually going to go with the Detroit Tigers. Oh, that's they funny. Are a complete dumpster fire, and they actually have three more losses than the Miami Marlins. See. So they're they're actually only ten away from seventy five, which is almost almost. I mean, Baltimore. She said I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Baltimore. Yep, that's the. Wow. I'm, I'm taking that, Baltimore I because forgot how bad they are. I see so much more promise in what the Miami Marlins roll out on the baseball field every day than I do with the Baltimore Orioles. And we already saw teaser alert: Andrew Kashner get traded from the Orioles to the Red Sox. So they're clearly in continue to sell more mode, which means they're probably gonna lose more baseball games. And I would say that the Orioles there. And then the team that's going to win 75 the fastest, I'm going to take the Astros. If you asked me this question last week, I might have taken the Twins, truthfully. But they've been eh, about 500 baseball the last two weeks or so. So they've kind of been not bad, but not great enough. And I just think that the Astros are in that moment right now where they're hitting stride, where you see them performing like a championship quality team. Dude, they have three of the top 11 prospects in Major League Baseball, which means they're going to be sellers to get the pieces that they need to continue to try and go after a championship this season. So I'm going to go with the Astros in the AL, and I'm going to take overall the Baltimore Orioles. Astros are playing some real good ball right now. They're they're not quite all healthy yet. You know, everybody talking about the Yankees once they get healthy, once they start rolling. But, I mean, Houston... Houston's going to be tough. Now, this is a headline. It's a it's a it's a slight debate that I've had with baseball coaches around that told me I needed to talk about this on the podcast. So it can be a combo. It's why we slash it today. So our last fan interaction slash headline, right? So these six players were inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame over the weekend, and they deserve their due. Mariano Rivera, who is side note the first player ever to be unanimously voted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, so kudos to him. Edgar Martinez, who seriously deserved this to happen about five or ten years ago. Harold Baines, Roy Holiday, which if you have time, please go watch his wife's speech, accepting the speech for her late husband, 
who you've learned so much about since his unfortunate passing, about how great of a person he was beyond his baseball career. And Lee Smith, five, those five were inducted. But the one I want to talk about is Mike Mussina, who was also inducted. Now, originally, Ant, when I went through this, I was not a fan of Mike Mussina being inducted into the Hall of Fame. But then I looked at his stats, and I looked at his stats overall. And I'm going to give you a few of them. He's 29th overall, and this is compared to all other pitchers in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. 29th overall in wins, 38th overall in all-star appearances, 78th overall in ERA, and 16th in K. When I looked at that and I said, well, he's not last in every category, and he's actually pretty high in two and a half of the four categories, which are, are pretty major categories when you talk about pitchers all time, right? So I'm saying to myself, I think Mike Mussina did deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. He had 270 wins. He had a 368 ERA in 536 starts over his career. He struck out 2,813 batters over the course of 18 MLB seasons. And oh, by the way, was a seven-time Gold Glove winner, which I think is cool. And last stat you get here from me, oldest player in 2008 at 39 years old, which was the last year of his career to win 20 games. Pretty awesome stuff. I believe he is a Hall of Famer. Uh, a lot of people say he you know, was a compiler. Uh, when it comes down to it, you know, he, he played a, he had a long career. I think he played nine years in Baltimore, eight or so with the Yankees. So he, I mean, he stayed in the AL East, which was, you know, is a is typically a, a powerhouse when it comes to batting. So that three was it three six eight ERA or whatever you said it was three eight six three six eight. You're right. Uh, I mean, that's that's that and two thousand plus strikeouts. I mean that's that's actually really good when it, when when you think about the competition he's pitching against, you know, in the AL East, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Toronto's, the you know the Baltimore's, what have you. So, and I, I always I always picture him going in as a Yankee. I know he was undecided, uh, which is not a bad thing because he he did play more years in Baltimore, but he he had more success with the Yankees. But I always I always figured Mike Mussina would be a Hall of Famer. Uh, when you really break down his numbers and you, and you compare him to other pitchers, and think about it, he also did pitch too during the steroid era. He kind of was in the very kind of the, the tail end of that, right? He was facing the Maguires, the Sosas, all, the Bonds, all those dudes juiced up, you know. So you got to think even that was a little bit tougher uh, for him going against those monsters. So I believe, I believe it was rightfully earned. Uh, you know, unfortunately, some guys never get that chance. Uh, David Cohn. Uh, sadly, we'll never get the chance to be uh, on the ballot because he, he fell short, which is just mind-boggling. Because I believe, you know, when you look at his his numbers, probably aren't the same as Mussina's. But I mean, you know, there's not a single uh, uh, another big game pitcher that I take than like you know than having David Cohn out there. And I think you make a really good point about the steroid error, and I think that, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ant, but I think that that's become a way bigger factor in terms of the Hall of Fame conversation than I think it ever was. And to back up your point on David Cohn, he had a career 346 ERA. He started 419 games in his career, played in 450, struck out nearly 2,700 people, 2,668, but only won 194 games. And I think that, unfortunately... Because he did not have more wins in the win column, that is probably what's going to hold him back. 
And it's unfortunate because we've had this debate before, wins and pitchers, starting pitchers in baseball, it's super difficult to really hold that against them. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you as a Met fan know how, how fragile a bullpen can be. So, And you saw when your, your Cy Young winner, I think was what, 10-10 and 10 or 8-8, eight and eight, whatever his record was, and he, you know, he gave up less than, I think, two runs in like 30 straight starts, some absurd like that. So you can, yeah. So wins definitely are a, a, a funny category to either, either, either count for your voting or against it because it's just, it's not up to you. Because think about this, he's a five-time All Star, like we just talked about with Musina. If Musina ranks 16th all-time on the Hall of Fame list in strikeouts, and he has 150 more than David Cohn, that would put David Cohn in the top 20 of Hall of Fame pitchers, if Mike Mussina's ERA ranks 38th all-time in the Hall of Fame and David Cohn's is a 3-4-6, that would put him higher than Mike Mussina. So you look at those two numbers right there and you say to yourself, okay, five or three numbers, five All-Stars, Ks, and ERA, it's just maybe he didn't play enough games Maybe he didn't win enough games. He did have some injuries in his career. Some years killed him where he had a a few years where he didn't even throw 100 innings in Major League Baseball. I think that ultimately probably was what killed him. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You know, if you look at a certain amount of votes, they bump you off the ballot. So, uh, you know, his time has come and gone. And it's just one of those guys who's, you know, we talk about him like he's in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, for me as a fan, as a Yankee fan, I watched him throw a perfect game. So, you know, I'll take that as, as it is. He's a Hall of Famer in my book. So that's all that matters, my agent. Come on, let's be real. That is your fan interaction and headlines for the week on the dab podcast sponsored here by digme nation remember head over to digmenation.com and at checkout use the promo code dig the dab that's d-double-a-b and you will receive 30 percent off your next purchase all right we're on the topic of baseball i want to stay on the topic of baseball the trade deadline is july 31st we are exactly one week away from Now, more so than ever in any year, the most important date in Major League Baseball because it's the last possible opportunity to trade due to the new rules. This is where you make your money, Andrew. This is where you hope your GM knows what the hell he's doing and you got to put your faith in him to make the moves necessary to get your team to the mountaintop. And as as a Yankee fan, we sit here in first place. We're doing all right. Like I said, unfortunately... Looks like we have a little bit of a of a skid right here. Late July, it is what it is, but starting pitching is is the key, I think, that every team is looking for that's in the hunt for October. All right, so I labeled some guys here that I think could be on the trade market, okay? I want you to give me, you don't have to give me teams, just, just give me your assessment on each one of these guys I list off and what you think could couldn't happen or maybe should happen um, if maybe it's not going to. So we'll start with the Mets, obviously. And the two names we hear the most about are Noah Syndergaard and Zach Wheeler, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, they might try and trade a Todd Frazier and they might try and trade somebody else that's a veteran. Okay, that 
I don't really care about. We're talking about impact players right here. And there are multitudes of teams in, in Major League Baseball right now, Ant, that could be contenders that could use Noah Syndergaard and Zach Wheeler. If you're the Mets, do you trade both? Do you trade one singular? Or do you trade neither? You got to trade Wheeler. You probably don't have the money. or you're the Mets, you never have the money. But you're not going to sign him long term. So you, you try to get what you can from him. You trade Vargas. You trade Frazier. Those are... You probably get best cash considerations. Let's be real. You're not going to, or a, or a, a single A level play, player who will probably never see the bigs. So it's it's more or less just to see what you got and actually to put the players in their rightful positions. You know, your outfielders in the infield. You know, and you figure it out that way. But if I'm the Mets and you you really got to think about it, if you're Brody, you really need to trade Syndergaard. He's going to be your your big chip. Uh, I mean, I, I would think about trading DeGrom if he gets you back. You know, what you think is something that's spectacular, but you need to be blown away by that. You know, obviously, you just paid DeGrom, so yeah, that'd be interesting to trade him. But you need to – you have a lot of holes. you got to fill multiple positions, and Noah Syndergaard will get you back two, three-level prospects that are ready – will be ready next year to really affect the Mets in a positive way. Will you get a top 20 prospect for a trade in Noah Syndergaard? I, listen, you, you just rattled off Houston has some top prospects. If, if Houston's serious about putting another five, another hurler in that bo- you know in that in, in that starting rotation, and you know what, that seems to be the, the fountain of youth for pitchers when they go to Houston. And you know, ask Justin Verlander, uh, and you know, even Charlie Morton turned his turned his career around. You, you see what he's doing for Tampa Bay right now. So if if Houston thinks no Syndergaard is that that piece, you know, they have the assets to move, and I think the Mets will, will gladly take. You know, two of their top prospects. What really upsets me is that when you look at this top prospect list, got the 100 top prospects in Major League Baseball, Jared Kalenic, who the Mets traded last year for Robinson Cano, is number 23 on this list. And I look at the Astros, and I look at the Twins, because they're both in the top 12. They have two and three, respectively, of the top 12 prospects in Major League Baseball, and they are two teams that at this trade deadline are going to look to be active, as well as a team like Milwaukee, who would like to add a little bit of depth to their bullpen, a team that maybe... Milwaukee's got a a really deep farm system, but I don't think they're looking to go and sell off that farm system. Milwaukee wouldn't be a bad landing spot for your boy Noah. You know, come and think about it. I think... Interesting. I think you know the the, the again the strikes again and, and everybody was wondering why no NBA free agents want to come to, to New York for the Knicks at least. But like look at the Mets with Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard, the Dark Knight and Thor. Like they gave these guys nicknames before they won anything and before they really did anything. They had a lot of hype. Don't get me wrong. And in 2015, Matt Harvey came up and really to really really put a show on. But to to earn the term, you know, the, the moniker Dark Knight and Thor. You know, these guys were were bigger than life, bigger than the Mets already, and they didn't do squat. So I think maybe a move to Pernola, I, I would take him out, you know, on my Yankees for sure. But I think a move for him is somewhere like that, somewhere like a Milwaukee or, or Cleveland, somewhere that's not quite in the limelight, but some, some, some team that needs, you know, a fireballer. Clint Frazier, Esteban Floreal. You could have him for Syndergaard. Yeah? You're yeah. trading Floreal? Yeah. And Frazier. I mean, let, not let, that you would trade both in the same deal because they're both outfielders. Right. But Floreal is said to, or is believed to be, the best prospect in the Yankees organization. Right, and the outfield is a little clogged right now. Obviously, we're injury prone. Uh, 
I don't know where you put. I, I mean, it's tough to, to think about trading Frazier uh, just because he's going to be. It could be your starting left fielder next year, re- relatively cheap, considering you're going to have to pay Judge soon. You're going to have to pay Sanchez. So you, you want to keep guys under control like a Clint Frazier for multiple years. But uh, I, I just think if, if, you know, they're already 30 games above 500, I think you need to pull, if you're cash, you need to pull the trigger. Uh, you're not going to get an ace-level pitcher at the trade deadline, but you are going to get another viable arm. And you really can't trust Paxton. Uh, you trust Tanaka. Herman has been good, but he's on an innings limit. You know, Sabathia, he's, he's old. Is he going to give you more than four or five innings in a start? Highly unlikely. So you need to get a Stroman, a Syndergaard, uh, a Matt Boyd. You, you you're going to get another arm. It's just a matter of what you're willing to give up. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And if I'm any team out there, and, and I think I have a good enough arm to give the Yankees, like if I'm Toronto, I want Floreal back if I was to give you Marcus Stroman. Like, okay, here's Stroman. I want Floreal and, right? Like, I'm getting multiple for a Stroman. I'm getting multiple. If I'm San Francisco, and even though we're winning now, I think about still trading Madison Bumgardner. I'm getting two top prospects and because I think that that's how valued some of these guys are for a few of these teams. And, oh, by the way, don't rule out Cleveland. Oh, I know we've talked about in the past. Can't decide if they're going to be sellers or not. And you got a guy like Corey Kluber hasn't thrown a lot this year. He's coming off like a broken forearm. And you're like, well, who knows? They might trade him, and he could come out late and be something special for a team. There's just so many different starting pitches. I think the next seven days, Anthony, is going to be wild in the MLB. It's going to be it's going to be hot stove for sure. If you're Brian Cashman, you also have to think about the same thing you did with Edwin and Carcion. You got to block a team from getting a starting pitcher. You, if if you're Cashman, you cannot let the Houston Astros get another live arm like a Noah Syndergaard or or a, or a Stroman. Yeah, but the problem is if the Mets won't trade with you, you can't control that. Like okay, you, that's, that's true. But if you listen, if you offer and and if you offer the Mets the best package and. You know, Brody. You know, cuts his nose, uh, cuts his nose to spite his face, and trades for a lesser prospect just because he doesn't want because the Will Ponds won't trade with the Yankees, or God forbid, you you see uh, Noah Syndergaard wear pinstripes and win a championship for for them. But the Mets need to do what's best for their organization and not care who they're trading with. And I hope that's the case, but who knows? It's New York. People are finicky like that. But I also do believe it's from the Yankees' side too, though. It's not just coming from the Mets. I know more of it's geared towards the Mets because they're probably more worried about their look, but neither team is willing to do it. I would assume if Cashman picked up the phone, got a hold of Brody and said, I'll give you our two, two of our three best prospects and, and whatever else you want for Noah Syndergaard, I can't imagine Brody would say no to that. I just don't think that there's a willingness to even communicate between the two organizations. That's always been the case, but I think with the new regime, I, I believe Cashman and Brody have, have have had conversations before. Well, that's good. And, and, and they're willing to. I think they're willing to send me everybody. Send me Lewisaga. Send me Sheffield. Send me Esteban Florial. Send me all these prospects. I'm in. Sure, we'll send you Sheffield. We don't have him anymore. Oh, we'll that's right. Him. They traded him. They where is he? So, Se- where is he? Yeah, Seattle, Seattle, right? Seattle, yeah. yeah. He's with Justin Dunn, who the Mets traded last year. Another top right. prospect. You're wasting my time. He's really been running the mill. It's nothing special. So. All right, last player, last player. Before we go on to what do you got, your favorite segment of the show. This one's an interesting one. And I really, really 
and fit split 50-50 here. Anthony Rendon from the Washington Nationals. Because I know they're playing better. I do. I understand that. But I, I just they're not set up to win anytime soon. So why not capitalize on a guy like that now when your team is still semi-decently good? And who knows? Maybe it doesn't completely kill you and you still are competitive while also rebuilding. That is quite the interesting name to end up, Andrew. I just, for some reason, you know, Washington, they're not going to, their owner is like 147. I think he, I think he is like, he knows you're, you know, he don't, he's like 10 years older than Phil Regan, your guy, and he's like 82. <laughs> so he wants to win now. I don't think, you know, he's not, he's not trading away that cert, that Scherzer contract. And like you said, they're winning, they're winning, they're playing, they're like, I think they have the best record in baseball since, since like May something or so. They're, they're like being in June. Like they've been on a tear. Uh, and they've come back all the way back, and they're only a few games up behind Atlanta, and they're definitely fighting for the wild card there. Six so. and a half behind Atlanta. Six and a half? No, that's pretty. That's pretty large. Uh, but I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're fighting for that. What that the ever so uh, elusive second wild card. Uh, so I, I can't imagine them selling Rendon. But you're right. It's, it's definitely he's definitely a chip to trade uh, if you are going to do it that way. I just it just makes so much sense. It's just and and it popped up on a I forget what I, where I was reading maybe like the Washington Post actually was where I was reading it and I, I said you know that's an interesting thought process because you you could get a boatload back for him and I mean how many great position players do you know are on the market this this trade season right so he would probably be a headliner in that and I think the Nationals would get a boatload back for a guy like that but you're right he's probably the best the best position player. That could be available, theoretically. Sure. Agreed. You know, and here's another one. Just off the top of my head, Hunter Pence. I want to say he's with the Texas Rangers right now. Um, I think he's with the Rangers. I believe so, yeah. And I, and I talked about the Rangers last week. They're, they're silently a better baseball team than you think. But, again, it comes down to weighing risk versus reward, right? So they're 50-50 and 50 and on an eight-game losing streak. So they're going the opposite way. So now all of a sudden, a week ago, they were eight games over 500. Now a week later, they're 500. So what do you do with a guy like Hunter Pence? There could be some value for teams with Hunter Pence. So interesting guy right there too, Anthony, to take a look at that might be on the move. Yeah, and keep an eye out for Texas Rangers to be selling off pitchers because I believe the Yanks are actually big. I forgot to mention this, but... I believe they're hot and heavy for Mike Miner. Oh, that's a so, good move. So we'll see. If they trade him away, then you know there's no point in keeping Hunter Pence because uh, you're probably in rebuild mode, so you might as well trade him away and get what you can. You can't hold it off for any longer, Mr. Rinaldi. I know you've been trying to, but it's what do you got time. What do you got? I am so good at this, it's unreal. Just so the people know, we spoke uh, on episode 74 about giving you an update on the scoreboard. I know everyone's just dying for it, so I get it. Relax, we're here, we'll tell you. Okay. We went back a few, we archived, and on episode 73, Mr. Rinaldi and I bet the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. We had an over-under set at 74 and a half hot dogs. Anthony took the over, but then guessed Joey Chestnut would eat 67 hot dogs you you can go ahead and play that one out or listen to us to play it out in 73 so he went 0 for 2 because he missed on both andrew chose the under and 71 joey chestnut ate 72 so the rule was you choose the under or the over and you win two points i won two then 
Last week, Mr. Rinaldi chose Juan Soto in the Nats versus the Braves. He chose Juan to go 2-for-4 with a homer, 3 RBIs, and a walk. He went 0-for-4 with a K, So and the Braves won. And I chose, with Mr. Gutty Guttington, Domingo Herman. We, as a unit, guessed he would be 6 and a third innings. 7 Ks, 4 hits, 1 earned run. He was 6 innings, 5 Ks, 4 hits, 2 earned runs. Almost perfect. I also threw a caveat in there, Ant. I said they'd win 5-1. to one. They won 6-2, to two, so super close right there. So 2-0 and oh for me. So that's a total of 4-0 and oh for Andrew Owen, 4 for Anthony, which brings the records to 54-51 and 51 and 45-60. and 60. There you go. On the come up, guys. Keep it locked and loaded. But I heard a rumor that we were going to be going head-to-head on this week's What Do You Got? I feel like this is my best opportunity to catch up to you. Is to start giving you the L's and start taking the W's. And I pick winners, Andrew. Should we double or nothing it and make it four points this week? Make it interesting? Start hitting a four-point money shot, the four-point four ball? Yeah, I'll give you one every month. What? <laughs> the daily double. So you, you could do July 23rd recording for the July 24th release, or you can do the July 30th recording for the July 31st release. That is your choice. I'm so I'm so pumped about my my choice this week. I think I'll go this week. Then. All right, here we go. Fire the people up. Tell us what do you got, Mr. Renault? What do you got? It's simple, Andrew. It's it's one of the most storied rivalries in baseball history. Uh, I gotta go with my Yankees. They're playing the Red Sox, who you know are still a team that you have to fear if 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 you are a Yankee fan. I know they're I want to say 11 games or so you know in the lost column right now. But they are looking at the Yankees, and it's it's just it's gonna be a tight ball game. It's always a tight series. They hate each other. They want to bash each other's brains in. It's not what it once what it, what it once used to be. Uh, but I still I still have that, you know. I, I hate everything about Boston, so I love rooting for my for my Yanks for Sox. And frankly, I got to see my boy James Paxton pick it up. I believe it's a Friday night game, right, Andrew? That's yes. the first game. Yes, sir. July twenty sixth. July 26th, so it's, it'll probably be a 7, 7.30 or so jump off. 7.10 jump off? 7.10, first pitch, probably 7.12, <laughs> something weird like that. But I'm, I got to go with my man James Bax. He's got to figure it out. Well, I need him to be reliable, be traded for him to be our basically number two uh, guy in the hole there, and he needs to step it up. I need to stop serving up a long ball in the first inning. The dude has like a plus 8 ERA in the first inning, which is absurd. It would generally help if you don't serve up home runs in inning number one. Yeah, so give me my boy Paxton. I want to go head to head with you because you're probably going to pick something crazy on the Red Sox because you're an uncle head. You just love to go against me like that. No, sir. Actually, I'm just going to take the opposing starting pitcher, Andrew Kashner. I said it earlier in the show. I told you I teaser alerted it. What do you got? It was his first start for the Boston Red Sox last week, and he was not good. He went five innings. Gave up five earned runs, seven total, eight hits, two walks, and only struck out two. So originally coming into it, I said, I really want to see how he bounces back. Because going into this trade season, Andrew Kashner was somebody I thought teams in contention would really want to target. And sure enough, on like July 13th, the Boston Red Sox made that move, right? Bad start. So now I want to see start number two in the bright lights at Fenway, at home, against the Yankees, 
Listen, man, you were in the AL East. Whether you were in uh, games that mattered or not, it's a different conversation. But you've played the Yankees before. You've played the Red Sox before. You've stood on that mound most likely before. So I need you to show me why we traded for you. I have Mr. Kashner going this week. Six and two-thirds innings. Six Ks. Two earned runs. Five hits. One walk. And I think the Red Sox take home game number one. By a score of four to two. I didn't pay attention to a single line stat you just gave because I don't want to hear that crap about the Red Sox beating my Yanks, Angel. Oh, so then you heard what I said. Something like that, but he ain't going to get another. He, my man Luke Boyce can go yard. My man Aaron Judge is going to go yard work. We're going to bang Cash out of there by the third inning, and you're going to be embarrassed by your score. And um, you'll maybe. You'll, <laughs> and you'll move to 11 games under 500. That's right. Don't call it a comeback. That's what you got for the people. Mr. Rinaldi, I'm super proud of the Dab Podcast today. We persevered. We pushed through. We dealt with adversity. And we put out a dynamite episode 75. And we jokingly, and we, but mostly we mean it, but we do it for the people. And frankly, we could have not skipped another week and not give the folks the Dab Podcast. We have faithful listeners out there who love to respond to everything we do and give us all the insightful information. So we got to give them, we got to give them our best. And frankly, I hate to hate technology, but it is what it is, brother. I appreciate you going through the efforts. And again, I agree with you. It was a hell of a podcast. Remember, if you want to help this podcast out, go to anchor.fm, follow the dab podcast on anchor. You can do a multitude of things besides find nine or 10 different platforms to listen to the show on. You can also record a voicemail. We've told you this before. It's a minute and you can also support the show. Listen, People work hard for their dollars. We're not going to sit here and try and ask you to give us all of yours. But if you enjoy the show and you feel like you want to make a monetary donation to help the Dab Podcast, we've mentioned it before, the Rome Squared Podcast, the Rome Show, the Wide World of Rome, everything that's going to be encompassed in what's going on around here. If you want to help that out, feel free to head over to anchor.fm and search the Dab Podcast. Yeah, and listen, stay tuned. Talk about teaser teaser alert. Maybe a parenting one on one podcast coming out by by, by yours truly, Ooh, Anthony Goldie. That's exciting. Tell, tell some dad jokes, it'll be a good time. Dad jokes one oh one with Anthony and Goldie. And on the reels, you gotta listen to Dab the maybe the Dab Fantasy podcast. Ooh. Ooh. If, if, if that's something the that folks wanna hear, if we got some degenerate fantasy players out there, now listen, fantasy football draft's about to be started up, so this may be some the dad pop the Dad Podcast Network wants to pick up, Andrew. You know, have your people call my people. We'll do lunch. We'll figure it out. Get at us on the Twitter and the gram at Dab Podcast on both of them. If you want to hear the Dab Podcast Fantasy Show hosted by Anthony Rinaldi, that kind of fires me up almost as much as Dad Jokes 101 with Anthony Rinaldi fires me up. Either way, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know it. Dabpodcast at gmail.com. Dabpodcast.com. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know the deal by now. Mr. Rinaldi, take us away. That's it. That's a wrap. I'm going to bed before my kids wake up. Andrew, I'll check you out on the Rome Squared Show. Be good, brother. Andrew Romanella, Anthony Rinaldi, The Dab Podcast, Episode 75. Peace.